Hi there. At the top of the episode here, I want to ask everybody who's listening to do one or two things. Um, if you haven't already uh, and you have the ability to, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave this show a rating or a review. Uh, they're not just good for our egos. They actually help us get more visibility. Uh, the feedback helps us kind of shape the show. Uh, we appreciate everybody who has done that. In addition, if you're feeling saucy uh, or if you can't leave um, an Apple podcast review, consider telling your friends about the show. If they like Stephen King or horror books or whatever the Dark Tower is, um, <laughs> either uh, tweet about it or talk to somebody personally. Word of mouth is the only way we can grow. And we love seeing when people help spread the word. So two simple things takes just a couple of minutes. And gosh, do we like seeing it happen? Uh, here we go. Let's uh, hear the rest of this fairy tale. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Evan Thor. Hey, Evan. Hey, Cole. Hey, welcome. Yeah, thank you for uh, for having me after yeah. I, um, you know, was out on medical leave last time. <laughs> yeah, we were initially supposed to have you on with Sean, but you, uh, but you, you, you took a spill. Yeah, I busted up my knee and broke my phone. Uh, oh. On the bright side, I have a new phone. <laughs> on the less bright side, same knee. Yeah. Um... No, you you are not you are not bionic as of yet. No, I'm working on it, but yeah. uh. I, th I think we're all working on it. We're going to get there as a society. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I I believe in us. Yeah, um, but I'm happy that you are. Uh, I'm I'm not happy that you are still feeling hurt. I'm happy that you are okay and not like laid up in a hospital, like going after surgery after surgery or whatever. Yeah, no my my knee modeling days are over. But ah, damn it. Yeah. And you just about got that Spalding account, you know, for the knee pads. <laughs> I very quickly tried to think of a brand for sporting goods that would sell knee pads. Oh, <laughs> I, man. I hope I did okay. Spalding. Oh, I feel like Spalding's a really good pick. Okay. Woo. Um, yeah. So I'm very happy to have you here. We're, we, you, you have uh, landed on a very juicy section of the book. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So I I kind of want to jump right into it because I don't want I don't I don't want to steal any of that any of that juice any of that heat from the actual events here. But we are in the thick of the story within the story, the wind through the keyhole, which yeah, Roland is telling both to his current quartet and also to a scared young boy. Yeah, and it this is a story that his mother told him when he was a child. Yes, I believe this is. That is a fucked up story to tell a kid. <laughs> this whole thing is just like, man. We remarked on a that lot about. <laughs> Go ahead. It, it explains a lot about Roland. It certainly does. It explains a lot about Gilead as a whole, that this is how they decide to, again, this is how they decide to teach their kids, hey, maybe pay attention to your raccoon dog when he starts doing circles <laughs> and shit. <laughs> it, it, it seems like an awfully long way to to underscore that. And it, it feels like it buries the lead an awful lot too, if that's really the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the lesson to be, to be taught in this fable. Yes. Both the uh, point of the story and also the name of the story are consigned basically to minor paragraphs or footnotes. Yeah. This is a, this is a story about uh, a very sad child. Yep. A very sad child who is a, uh, he, he, he is born to circumstances. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, and he has a very tough journey to make. Um, yeah, very very sad child trying to help his very blind mom. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, and also trying to, you know, kill his very murderous uh, stepfather. Back when, uh, so back when, all those weeks ago, those two weeks ago, when I tweeted out the announcement about the episode, Sean, he retweeted it with a with a quote saying, hey, come listen to us talk about the greatest monsters of all fairy tales, dragons and step parents, which is totally true. <laughs> So, um, I oh, it really is. If, if I didn't respond to that, then I want to immortalize it here. We are definitely uh, traveling down a road that has some well-worn ruts, but there's some cool stuff about this. Like I am, I am still all about this. All these times reading it later, there are so many kind of details and contours and ways that it kind of like jukes toward the greater story. Yeah, and you can you, you really get kind of the sense that Stephen King just has a very deep love and appreciation for fairy tales which is not a surprise mm -hmm. but it's it's just fun but it, it this feels like it would have been a very fun book for him to write yes yeah and a, a deep as a, as a deep love of as, fairy tales and also a deep love of his world and, and yeah. when the two of those meet he has the freedom to just kind of say yep this is this is what this society values and here are the morals and here's here's how we're going to get them across yeah, so um Tim Tim basically did did you guys talk I I'm assuming you talked about this. Um the the, the Covenant man did did you decide if he is or is not the man in black last time? He absolutely is. Okay. I have I, I have thoughts on that when we get a little bit further on, but I'm not sure. I wasn't sure what you guys landed on. Yeah, there, there's um, there's a specific remark that Merlin, that Merlin makes that calls a little bit of an into question. But yeah, who, who who knows how much any of this actually happens, um, and how much Merlin is telling the truth? Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, Tim. Yeah, t t Tim basically just got jerked around by the man in black, ostensibly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now he's off to find Merlin. Yeah, as he, as you do. Yeah, so so the Covenant man came. Uh, you know the the pressure of this tax collection caused his mom to remarry after his dad died under mysterious circumstances. Covenant man, you know it's our friend Randall Flagg or the Man in Black or any other. You know it's it's that character. It's that character. Um, <laughs> kind of inadvertently led to uh, Tim's mom being blinded, and also gave Tim kind of the the, the seeds of the idea to go deep into the forest on what amounts to a fool's errand uh, pretty much to get the cure for his mother's blindness. Um, and the man in black covenant man, he's got accomplices. Oh yeah, of course <laughs> he has one just sexy little accomplice Armanita. Man, right? that is, it, it is a very, it is a very uncomfortable passage to read because <laughs> Tim's 11. You, well, Tim, Tim's 11 and you know exactly where it's going and you know that Tim doesn't and then it pans out 100% the way that you figure it will. Yeah. It's like, it's like at, oof, at, the, at the very end of the lumber road, you know, he sees this green glow, right? And, you know, it's not the Coven Man, but it's one of these Psy, the, like the, the fairy people, you know, that the Widow Smack told him about, warned him about uh, uh, while she was also warning him about the Covenant Man. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this uh, this is Armanita, which sounds a lot like Amanita. You know those poison, you know those poison mushrooms that REM sang about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that ostensibly Tim runs into later. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. I forgot about that. Yeah. He totally does. <laughs> um, yeah, but she's just kind of like laughing and dancing. You know, her laugh sounds like a bell. She is, you know, buck naked and then just kind of luring him further and deeper into the forest. Yeah, and he, Tim is into it because he is on the cusp of puberty and she might be tiny but she is as you say very naked yes you know and you know, the, the, this this kind of escalates right you know she i was of, 11 i was 11 once yeah. i would have i think i saw titanic and was very into it yes i, um, I, I you, you would have you would have chased after her carrying a sketch pad mm-hmm, totally uh so i get it <laughs> and i am 31 now and i also can totally see that she's totally just fucking with him uh like as soon as the scene starts it's like oh this isn't going to end well and then sure enough ends poorly yeah as she leads him not just off the road but into a swamp into this area called the fagonard um you know hopping kind of from island to island like little hillock to hillock they get further apart uh, and smaller as they go along until finally you know, she's beckoning him across a leap that he cannot make without resting on a stone. Uh-oh, turns out the stone is a dragon. <laughs> hate when that happens. You know, it's just the worst when that happens. And I love how they specifically call the, the, the irony that if Tim died to this, he would have died to the thing that, to, to the made-up thing that killed his dad. Yeah. <laughs> so... And this be- and this begins something that leads me to believe that a part of this story is to communicate what it means to be a gunslinger, right? Because oh, l- totally. l- later on they talk about you know like when you when when you hold the gun, all you want you know all the gun wants to do is shoot, and when you hold it, all you want to do is shoot. You know, it is it is all yeah. of that. However, you know, gunslingers as as has been established, you know, they're not just. You know, these cowboys are marshals, they're knights, they're diplomats, they're emissaries. And so throughout this entire story, you know, we see Tim kind of getting himself into (laughs) bumbling into bad situations and solving them through speech, through oath, through word, even through a little bit of deception. He only fires the gun once. Which is good because he's only... That one shot is 25% of his total. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to not, picture. Not he had a lot to, a lot to run with. No, no. Especially since most of them, he had to, he had to stuff inside of a loaf of bread to keep safe. Or, or no, did he, I, 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 that, I was unclear on that because I was listening to the audiobook. Did he take bread and plug it into the barrels that he wasn't using? Or did he take the, take the bullets out and he... put he he put the bullets into the loaf of bread to keep them dry. Okay. Okay. And also to keep them tasty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. For, for his evening snack of bullets. <laughs> yes. He's a very tough boy. He's a, he's yeah. a, he's a very stout-hearted, tough, bullet, bullet-eating boy. <laughs> and that boy went on to become Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so the way that he avoids being fried is basically by making an appeal to the dragon saying, hey, this was a mistake. I didn't mean to wake you up, but I will not bother you again. Yeah, and the the dragon is, like, surprisingly cool about it. <laughs> like, I, th- I think based on for, something that for we... For a learned, dragon, <laughs> you know. I like, think ba- based on something that we learn later, uh, I think the dragon is used to uh, uh, brokering deals. 
with yeah. us uh with, with 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 us plebes us lesser beings yeah and i i do one of my favorite fantasy tropes is um animals that are more intelligent than they are able to convey to humans mm-hmm. and so i i really like Stephen King just like, yeah, you got this dragon. It's this giant, dangerous, fire-breathing, you know, like a fucking dragon. <laughs> uh, and all it can do is roar and snarl and, like, you know, it's this this monster. But it's also, like, you know, way smarter than you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can understand you. You can't understand it, but it can understand you. And uh, you're probably not going to outsmart it if you try. No, no. And, you know, the, the that imbalance, that just that that just follows. Right. Because yeah. it also holds all the cards. Yeah. And I it's. That, that's just one of one of my favorite, like, nerdy little fantasy <laughs> things. And I, I it, it makes me happy seeing Stephen King just like, you know, like he 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 clearly like knows and loves all this stuff and has all these little throwaway tropes and homages and stuff mm-hmm. all over the place in this book. Yeah. I'm way into it. Uh so he reasons with the dragon, but that trick only works once, unfortunately. Uh he cannot reason with the muty alligators that begin circling the island and closing in on him. Right, because those are just monsters. Those are not smart. <laughs> yep. So um Tim is able to keep his keep his composure. He's not Sterling Archer or whatever, but he understands that he's uh he's cornered, right? And this is where his braggadocious like devil may care. Well fuck it, I'm gonna take them with me attitude comes out. Yeah. Which is uh <laughs> interesting in that it's uh, a little bit a little bit Roland, a little bit Eddie Dean. A little bit. <laughs> I forget what he says, but like he even uh, says like, and if, you know, if all these bullets are misfires, I'm going to turn the gun around and use it as a club until they bite my arm off. Yep. <laughs> Proving that, you know, like many of the gunslingers we've seen before, Tim has steel. Yes. And, um, and, and that's kind of this, this whole scene exists basically to just bring that out and, and show that it exists even to him. Yeah. And really, all he has to do is blow the head off of one of these uh, uh, alligators to get the rest of them to leave. And yeah, that, that, and that you is know, the single bullet that's fired. And that's that's a trick that I think will that that'll that'll work for anybody. I think <laughs> firing a gun so everybody else will run. Uh, no, alligators, Cole. Oh, yeah. You blow up one alligator, the rest will run away. <laughs> you set an example. Yeah, I mean, I assume I don't know very much about alligators. No, no. All that I know about alligators is that they their their mouths. What is it? They 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 close them with great force, but they can't really open them. So you can hold yeah. you can hold their mouths closed. But I think that's a trick. I think that's a trick that the Florida people um spread out there so that so that us Northerners will uh will end up getting getting gator bit. I have to ask. I have to ask Jeremy about that actually. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. We should probably we should probably learn um anything about alligators before giving alligator related advice on this fantasy book podcast. Yeah, I just I just wonder if Jeremy trusts us enough to 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 share his swamp knowledge. Well, I mean, just tell him that we're starting a gator cast. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. That that <laughs> that seems like a lot of effort for very little payoff. Bring him Bring him on as an expert, and then 
uh, I don't really have an end game for that plan. It, no. Yeah, it really does seem like more effort than it's worth by <laughs> by a just, lot. I can just read a Wikipedia page; it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, Tim, Tim, uh, Tim blows up an alligator head, uh, scares the others away, as it will. Um, and he'd, he'd been hearing the, the laughing from the shore or something that sounded like laughing, but yeah, then it spectators. stops. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, blowing up the alligator head, uh, kind of shuts up the peanut gallery too. A little bit. And, you know, he, he, when he initially saw them, he's like, oh, they look like, they look like mud people, like, you know, like just us, like swamp golems or whatever, just some kind of horrible monsters, you know, vaguely humanoid, but have like growths off of them or whatever. Um, when they hear the gunshot, the laughter stops, and instead they start saying, yelling the only word they know. The first word, the one that, you know, set the universe a-spinning, uh, Heil. Because, you know, these are not mindless monsters. These used to be people. Um, they're still people. Oops. Um, <laughs> no. God, Cole. Uh, <laughs> a little, uh, yeah, a little non-mutant supremacist? I don't know what I'm, yeah. No, I, I I didn't mean to be so harsh to these guys. No, they think he's a gunslinger. They still have a bit of that, a bit of that church in them, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my my favorite part about this interaction is that once he realizes that they think he's a gunslinger, uh, he just starts saying things that he heard, like this super fan that he used to know. <laughs> say it's like one of his co-workers or one of his dad's acquaintances who was just a real gunslinger fanboy yeah like <laughs> it, it, it it's he, he just starts saying shit that he's heard before and, and it works N- neil bondsman rise to your service and your sire I it's like din. it's it's basically like if you or i were put in that position what we would say and it's great. I I love it. It's it's just such a such a goofy thing in such a decidedly not goofy setting. Yeah. Well, I, I also love that it's not the it's not the child. It's not the kid who's like all in on the you know the 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 lore of the gunslingers. Right. It's the adult. Mm-hmm. You know, because you would expect like in, you know in this world, you know, I imagine if I was in there, uh, that's a that, that is a fruitless pursuit to imagine what you would do in midworld times uh but you know you would imagine that little kids would be all about gunslingers the way that little kids would be all about dinosaurs you know yeah yeah <laughs> or firefighters or whatever yeah or dinosaur firefighters they yeah, fight dinosaur fires the, wait let's uh, see the, you thought i meant the other way yeah i did no <laughs> i'm i got it i'm back yep so um but yeah like you know these these are muties um they're also mute they communicate entirely through pantomime uh and they're not made of mud they're you know they're not like just whatever elementals of the swamp they're actually humans that are kind of merging and becoming one with the plant life like intermingled with stubble is like moss and stuff yeah it's it's like it's like a whole race of people who are kind of like Hugh Jackman at the end of the fountain. <laughs> I've never seen the fountain. That is that is a reference that like one person's going to get and it's probably going to be me when I listen back to this episode. <laughs> I I know exactly what movie you're talking about. Was that directed by Tarsum? I th- think I'm, so. I'm it's thinking a of very weird, very artsy movie with uh 
Uh, Rachel Weisz, I think, is the the other the other lead in it. Okay. It's very weird, and it follows like a whole bunch of different like yeah. semi parallel timelines about the Fountain of Youth, and at one point, Hugh Jackman accidentally starts turning into a tree. I think. Okay. And he's very very cross about it. Huh. No, it was directed by Darren Aronofsky. Um, Aronofsky, that's right. And when I said Tarsum, I was thinking I was thinking of the fall, or thinking this is what he did along with the fall. Yeah, it's it is not dissimilar in tone from the fall. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's a very polarizing movie. I, uh, it's one of my favorites, and it is a. Uh, a movie that a number of my friends have said is the worst thing they've ever watched and the only movie they've ever walked out of. Oh, oh, well, that's a mean thing to say, especially if they know you really like it. Well, usually they don't. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird one. Yeah. But it's like a, it's, it's like a whole uh, tribe that has been swamp thinged. Yeah. That's a much better and, and more palatable analogy. <laughs> Um, but like, it's, you know, it's not just that they have little plant growths coming off of them. They are also host to any number of, uh, pustules and things like that. Um, the, one of the most sickening passages in the <laughs> series, I think, uh, yeah. kind of, kind of actually evokes Gasher a little bit, like how Gasher mm -hmm. would just have, you know, pus, <laughs> I was about to say, about to say like, 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 like pus bullets blow up on him and then he would like scoop out the stuff and eat it or whatever while yeah. while one of them's talking like a, a, a you know a, a sore opens up above his above his nipple on his chest and you know it just blurps out a bunch of stuff guy reaches in grabs a spider out of it flicks it off to the side then reaches in and grabs the eggs so they don't hatch yeah and this seems to be a common affliction among these people yeah and it's the actions described as just in a very casual manner. Oh, he's just doing it while he's talking or while yeah, he's communicating. Yeah, like it doesn't even phase the guy. And it's like, it is, <laughs> it, it's upsetting. Yeah. And Tim is, Tim, Tim is Tim, upset by it. He's, he's, he's trying, he's trying not to, uh, trying not to throw up. And I don't yeah. know that this rises to the level of, of, of like an actual phobia, but the word for this is trypophobia, the fear mm -hmm. of holes in things. Mm -hmm. So like lotus pods or like the Suriname yeah, toad or whatever, like very real thing yeah like it's not like I, I just i did a google search for that term i just did a search because i didn't know what it was called it brought up a bunch of images if i actually had a phobia i would be uh, i would not be functioning right now it's very unpleasant and i've never yeah. met somebody who's like oh that's cool <laughs> yeah like it, it it doesn't get to me that bad but you know yeah it, it still gets me it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> It makes my skin crawl. Yeah, um, so let's move on from that then. <laughs> but He's very nice people. They're, um, they're very nice. And, you know, it turns out, that, you know, even though they communicate by, by pantomime, uh, they're actually reading Tim's thoughts. So they know he's not a gunslinger, but they're still willing to help him. Uh, my read on that was that they were willing to help him because he treated them with respect and dignity and kind of basic decency, right. which I imagine that they probably – probably don't get a lot of visitors and of the ones that they do they probably don't get a lot of that yeah and last you know last episode we spent a little bit of time talking about how much this fairy tale 
kind of stands in contrast to a lot of what happens in the Dark Tower, showing that, you know, as the world has moved on, things have gotten less hospitable, you know, outside of, you know, certain things like the like the town they find before they get to Lud or whatever, like seeing scenes of the people of Tree, you know, taking care of Nell and Tim and, you know, gathering up to go hunt down Kells. Like all of that, you know, again, stands in contrast and is really heartening to see. This is very much of that same stripe. It is good to see that, like, yeah, like they like they, they are they are just people, and they are willing to help and be generous and continue even going through the motions of this ritual of offering tribute to the gunslingers, even even though it's a bit of a sham, right? So yeah, Tim asks them about Merlin, and they they know what he's talking about, even if they can't really clearly communicate an answer to him. Yeah. <laughs> um. And the answer that they give is basically like yeah we know that guy and then they start like crawling around like dogs and growling yep then did doing doing roars uh swiping mm-hmm. swiping at the uh at the air in front of them yeah with, with and, their imaginary claws and at, at first i assumed that they were like pantomiming uh at first it seemed like dogs and so then it seemed i i assumed that it was billy bumblers and then oh that could uh sound. yeah but <laughs> It, it doesn't really make it, it it seemed like a very strange response, but it, it makes a little more sense when you uh, when you get a little further on. Yeah. Wait, 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 when you see when you see the fullness, like, like oh, they're 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 telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is what they meant. Yeah. OK. So that's what the cover of this book means. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and then also, um, they, you know, when he says like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm part of my quest is to go find him. They basically clean out their pantries for him. They assemble a bag of food for him and they give him something that you don't expect to see in a, in, in a fairy tale. Like yeah, it's an Amazon echo. <laughs> yep. Uh, it is, it, it is an, basically. E- it, it is, it is an AI voice assistant from our good old friends at North Central uh, Positronics. Yep. Yep, well, NCP, um, and yeah, it's also a GPS. Like, they produce this disc. It's far denser than it ought to be, um, and it has a light that kind of points in the same direction no matter which way they turn. So he intuits that, yeah, this must be some kind of compass, thinking, okay, it's pointing north, but actually, no, it's taking him along the path of the beam. Because, you know, all things serve. Absolutely. Especially in the story. <laughs> well, mostly there i guess oh yeah i just (laughs) i'm i'm operating under not not under a theory but every time i see all things serve the beam the beam is really just kind of like a big metaphor stand-in for the idea of like oh yes all things serve the the direction that the story must go that's what i'm referring to i don't expect it to to anybody you find that profound but that is just a, a theme that i'm noticing especially as we get into the 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 section of the series the back half that is utterly obsessed with fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets, uh, some, some might argue a little too self-aware. <laughs> I will not. I, don't I, know. I, I didn't say I would, but, uh, <laughs> if someone did, I'd have a hard time arguing against it. Uh, yeah, true. I'm probably staking, staking out that position way too strongly, way too early. So I rescind my, I do not. And say <laughs> we're headed there. We'll talk about it when we uh, oh, when we see it. Boy, yeah. will we! 
um, so yeah, they they give him all this stuff and they they basically send him on his way. Like they 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 get him in a boat and they take him to the the far end of the swamp. And uh, as he leaves, they they kind of tell him to to watch and they kind of impress on him that it's extremely important. Um, and they turn around in circles and then face north and bark. Yes. And, and then... if someone told me to watch because it's important and then did that, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be it would like, mean it'd be like about so as much, it would mean about as much to me as it meant to Tim. I would get a little bit angry. It'd be a little bit like somebody saying like, lean in here. I've got a secret for you. And then they just belch in your face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then they follow that hilarious joke up by uh, letting him know that they're all going to die very soon. Yeah, because Tim Which, is Tim being a good a good kid. He wants to. He says, "Oh, when I pass back through, I'll give you this disc back. I'll give you back your compass." And they're like, "No, no, this is pretty much the end of the road." Yeah, which you know it makes sense that that makes more sense why they're willing to to help and to give give him basically everything they have. Yeah. Including sweet, sweet berries. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a, a very jarring, um, a little bit of whiplash. Yeah. Just a, a absurdity to tragedy very fast. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, you know, it, it, it's it it is an upsetting fact. You think, oh, well, these you know, it's it, it is sad that these people are going to die. It's heightened by you know Tim keeping a strong a strong face in front of them. But when he walks away, when he leaves, breaking down, crying, you mm -hmm. know, like that's mm, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> these people who saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he. As he continues on past there, he he like stumbles and accidentally dumps the basket of food, and he's like frustrated because it's dark, and he figures he's going to be spending all night. And then all of a sudden, someone asks if he wants some light. Yeah, hey, and he what? loses his shit because he's in the middle of the woods at night with no one around. Right. You know, he thinks maybe it's the Covenant Man. He thinks maybe it's somebody coming to hurt him. You know, he's in the middle of something that is literally called the Endless Forest. Um, and still this strange woman's voice comes out of nowhere. Um, and this thing lights up as, you know, lights up like a beacon. And like we said, you know, this disc isn't just a compass. It's, you know, it's it's an echo. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a Google Home. Uh, and we have to be very careful not to trigger people's uh, machines when we talk here. Yeah. So we do not say the A name. No, no. <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually sitting next to one right now, so that would not go well. I'm sitting next to one, but it's muted. Wait a minute. Hey, hey, Evan. Yeah. Why do we let these things into our house? I don't know. I, because they're, it, because they're very fun and you can play Jeopardy on them. <laughs> and if you forget to turn off your lights, you can tell them to do it for you. Yeah. That's the big one. Okay. Yeah. I think they're gone now, so we can talk. Yeah, boy, this fairy tale sure is good, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> so, but no, this is uh, you know, this voice assistant uh is named Daria, and she lights you know lights us up. You know, Tim asks her like, "Hey, how long is this yeah. going to last?" Oh, the battery will last you know, seventy years, give or take yeah. two years. And his reaction is seventy years. That should be enough time. <laughs> 
uh, when um, his reaction should have been, what's a battery? Well, you know, at this point, I feel like Tim's just kind of resigned himself to the fact that none of this makes any sense anyway. Oh, yeah. And it never, and it never will. Yeah. And so um, right around here, there's there's a, a, a point where he's kind of examining it and he sees a button and he wants to press it to see what's going to happen. And in th- there's there's a, a passage that says he hears in his head the voice of the widow smack telling him not to do it. And that jumped out at me. Because the past, I want to say two or three weeks, my girlfriend has been getting me into professional wrestling, okay, uh, which is something that I have basically no uh, history with, but um, it's really fun. And it's kind of, you know, been on my mind lately. I've been like kind of learning about all the different storylines and different elements going into it. And I saw that. And all that I could think of was, man, if I was a wrestler, I'd want to have a move called Voice of the Widow Smack. <laughs> Or would you be some kind of heel who went around smacking widows? Um, or it would be a smack coming from a widow. I didn't really think it through very well, Cole. <laughs> Remember the part where I told you it's been like three weeks? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the widow smack definitely does sound like some kind of, um, it sounds like a special move in a Yakuza game. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like something... Or, or 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 something that you'd see in like a like a Suda fifty one game. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh. It's it's just one of those those really. Just just really really special combinations of words. Oh yeah, like just a magical a magical incantation that existed, but uh but we uncovered we found. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. So he pushes the button despite uh, knowing that. <laughs> wiser people would probably tell him not to. Yeah. He, he um, armed a bomb. Yeah. And so he starts to kind of learn about uh, this voice assistant, Daria. And yeah, she's made by North Central Positronics because of course she is because everything in every part of every world is somehow connected to North Central Positronics. Yeah. Um, and then, there are some questions that, uh, like when she starts to get close to certain subjects, um, she can't talk about them and references directive, uh, a directive. What, what, which directive? Oh, yeah, directive 19. Right. Because, because if there's going to be a number, it has to be 19. We haven't encountered this yet. This is kind of our. This 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 is you know retconning in an earlier mention of something that is going to be very important in the back half of the series. But Directive Nineteen is like a lock that has been placed on her and her database that stops her from talking about particular subjects that would be especially useful to the protagonist. Yeah, ba- basically, and and that's um, it's it's kind of a neat. Uh, <clears throat> I was going to say throwback because it's this was written so far after mm-hmm. the second half of the series, but it's also foreshadowing because chronologically it takes place before. Yeah. And throw so, throw shadowing <laughs> or back for for back. Yes. For back sounds ominous. Topically unpleasant. <laughs> Um, and so this introduces a little bit of like dissonance, I think. And I, I can see this being levied 
as a criticism of this kind of new order of reading the books, which is like, oh, Directive 19, it's in the story that Roland has heard his entire life. When it comes up later, he should know, oh, it's like that in the story, but he doesn't. Um, and there are other details that are like that. Like, there is some very important information that is revealed later on that would be very useful for them to know. Yeah. It it did get pretty specific. Yes. Uh, to the point where it kind of... I, I had to suspend my already thoroughly suspended disbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because just there's... Yeah, there's there's some stuff that is... If if Roland actually knew this story his whole life, the series would be much shorter. Yes, <laughs> uh, he would definitely know not to take the uh, not to take the Covenant Man uh, at his uh, at his word. Yeah, it's it, it's a whole thing. Like it's it, it is a bad side effect of kind of inserting this in here. But I think that's worth the price. You know, that that price of admission is worth it. You know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, but it's it's still it still works. Yeah. And especially if you if you kind of read the story as okay, like this is the full unabridged story. It's not necessarily what Roland is telling verbatim. Like Roland is telling the story that he knows or re- the parts he remembers. Yes. But what we are getting is the complete original story including all the details that have been lost by the time it got to Roland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can, I can live with that. Cause it, you know, it kind of the, the chapter before it starts and after it ends, it's you, you get like the Roland sentence, but then this isn't told through Roland's voice. Yeah. This isn't all in quotes. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of how I was able to, to square it. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I, I could, I can live with that. Um, but this is a little bit heartwarming. Uh, you would think that because this is an AI made by North Central Positronics, uh, the last one of those we saw definitely killed the whole city of people. Um, mm-hmm. speaking about, you know, about Blaine, uh, Daria though is a solid bro. Um, yeah. she never miss, she never misguides him, never like plays with him is, is helpful. And even, you know, being fully aware that directive 19 exists she brushes up against that and reveals more information than she ought to that ultimately is her undoing but like tim you know probably anthropomorphizing her but who knows uh, if that's the case uh kind of concludes that she was lonely she wanted somebody to talk to um yeah and he he also kind of characterizes her um as he goes on as as a good fairy as the the counter to Armanita. Yes. Which it's a very brief relationship between uh Tim and this AI, but it's I don't know, it's very sweet in a in a strange sort of way. Yeah. It, uh, it, and so, it is and she like saves his life. Like this the, this enters this, you know, section of the story where, you know, it's like a like a fifty mile journey through the through through the woods where she, you know, guides him. She takes him to, like, scenic overlooks. She uh, keeps him away from the poison, those poisonous uh, mushrooms that mm-hmm. even getting the spores on the skin would kill him. Yeah, he asks, are those, are those good to eat? And she says, no. <laughs> even brushing up against them and getting spores on your skin will cause you to die of seizures. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you look at them? Yes, I looked at them. Oh, boy, watch your eyes out. <laughs> Get to the Iowa station. Oh, this is a forest, not a high school chemistry lab? Well, shit. 
Yeah. Um. Um, yeah. So they're 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 on their way to um to a Dogen. Yep. The, uh, the because, north, again, sure. <laughs> the, the 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 North Forest Kinnock Dogen, uh, which is offline. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Just understand that it's like a facility, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Some some kind of a, a technologically based facility of sorts. Yes. Um, um, and there's, um, there, there's a lot of magic and he asks if it's light or dark magic. And, uh, the answer after a long pause is both, <laughs> which, okay, thanks, but <laughs> it actually does make a lot of sense once you get there. Yeah. Um, and then it finds out that they're on the beam, the beam of the lion, um, which is the opposite of not not the opposite but the the other side of the beam of the bird yep and so they're on the lion side of of that particular beam and the lion is aslan which is you know just kind of a nice little um nod to literary fiction yeah just like uh shardik was uh was, Mm -hmm. was pulled from a different story yeah so there's, you know, that that pretty much all all of the guardians of the beam are are from other other works of fiction, which mm-hmm. is that's just kind of a neat thing, and it's neat to see Stephen King kind of just leaning into that. Yeah, he's paying um paying homage, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I for, um, I forget what Maturin is taken from allusions. Uh, Maturin is a reference to Stephen Maturin, a naturalist from a series of novels by Patrick O'Brien. That's that's oh. the name of the turtle. We're gonna get there later, but I just uh, I wanted to check that and and process that out loud. Yeah, I I had never checked that out. I um, th- there was there was a part of me that that didn't want to to look because I was I I knew it wouldn't be, but I was always really hoping that it was was somehow a Terry Pratchett Discworld reference. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be very tidy, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, can't can't have everything. Nope. No. Yeah. Um, but this kind of gets, you know, gets us to this you know, journey, you know, them, them, them traveling here well, during one of the nights though, Tim is awakened by these, you know, six Billy Bumblers who are doing their dance. Right. Um, and they, he puts it together. He, he understands what the widow's Mac was talking about and yeah. by specifically wording his query to get past, you know, directive 19, understands that you know they're freaking out and doing their dance because the stark blast is coming and we get a good um get a good description of what the stark blast is like this is unnecessary detail but there's like a long passage that talks about like you know how the high and low pressure systems are kind of like and enter into a feedback a feedback cycle along the beam and the idea that like the 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 storm found the beam and the beam was pleased and so like the idea that they travel along this and are like fed, you know, fed by this attraction and just kind of like shot toward the center or uh, towards the edge. Um, yeah, which, which also explains why they're so rare because only only places that are directly along the beam would experience them. Yeah, um, which also explains why um, the uh, the main uh, the main quartet that we're we're following two stories out from this one yeah um why why they run into one mm-hmm. yeah um 
so along this path, they also have to cross this massive chasm. It's like a thousand foot chasm over this narrow rock bridge. Uh, and of course, when they're halfway over, a tentacle monster starts attacking. Which I'm, I'm going to be really honest. I, I thought that was unnecessary at best. I okay. I, I I am fine with them leaning in with with him leaning into how alien and strange this is, if only for just the mind painting that that occurred. Um, you know, as he was talking about this, you know, blood red, this blood red waterfall that was off in the distance over top of you know uh, beyond this chasm, um, and kind of the 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 muty life that that that, that hooked below or that uh you know th- thrives below. Um, it is unnecessary. It does kind of harm the pacing. It's ultimately a peril that doesn't lead anywhere. But I am A-OK with some Midworld as an alien place detail. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's not like it adds a ton of bulk to the book, but yeah. I just got to that. And I was just like, OK, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's ultimately uh, but, it's ultimately a small distraction. Yeah. Um. So he, he finally finally gets to the to the dogen after he he gets across this bridge and it's you know like a like like a squat little building with a giant radar antenna right by a big old cliff yeah and um he can basically see not not the not not really the storm but the wind on the edge of the storm mm-hmm. um just off the cliff right it's like it, it, it's basically it is trapped and roiling within this 100 mile expanse that the, that 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 the cliff kind of uh abuts right yeah um and he even sees like this wind is whipping around like tree limbs and also dead birds yeah as well just the like the like the sheer frenzy of this wind is something to behold this whole scene is described like it's a like it's a node in a text adventure to your right, you see a Dogen. To the north, you see you see a yeah. cliff you, and a cage. Examine cage. What's in cage? Cage has tiger. The tiger is pacing <laughs> and has a has a key and a card attached to its collar. Yep. Um, <laughs> great big tiger walking around in a cage. Tiger, which is you... not a common sight around here. It's basically it's basically a mythological beast. Yeah, um, and there's some seemingly useful things on a collar on the tiger so <laughs> immediately making them less immediately useful <laughs> um yeah and then he then he starts hearing the the booms that that we already kind of have have heard about earlier in the book and he he learns from daria that it's the trees was it imploding or exploding or kind of both uh she says imploding i could believe either i'm not exactly sure what the more accurate word would be yeah yeah uh <laughs> so that's that's going on so the storm is like right there yeah. um the, and then t- t- time 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 is definitely of the essence and he's held yeah you know like he, he is basically broken from the trance by daria saying here comes the boom <laughs> um i'm sorry see like you, you you talked about how you come up with dumb jokes i also come up with dumb jokes uh. <laughs> um yeah but, um, you know, they have to get into the Dogen. They have to, you know, find some kind of shelter. Um, they go to the door. The door has a box by it, you know, which, uh, yeah, and, and it also has, like, what, 
a place for a card key to go and a uh, a keyhole that is shaped like a symbol of the old speech, the high speech. And there's a note here um, from <laughs> the the Covenant Man. It is signed by RF or MB, you know, Randall Flagg or Man in Black, right? Uh, well, I, I assume uh, Randall Flagg or Martin Broadcloak. Oh, yeah. That that actually makes more sense. Yeah. it it I, I initially read it as uh, Man in Black also, but then I remembered that uh, <laughs> that would be a weird way to initial a note. <laughs> Right, right. It, it definitely um, would, especially because oh, he he is dressed in black, so that might actually make a little bit of sense. But yes, MB makes makes sense. I forgot that was one of his many names. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so the the note basically tells him that the the keys to the door are on the top. He's very hungry. The key was with the note is the key to the tiger's cage. Your move, kid. <laughs> yep. Are you going to dare to go in and, you know, face the tiger to get the key so you can live? Right. Uh, at, th- at this point or shortly before it, uh, Daria disregards Directive 19 and tells him flat out that the tiger is the source of all the magic that she was picking up. Yeah. And uh, at that point, there's more louder clicking and then uh, she starts to say, you are my friend. And then there's like a clunk and smoke starts coming out yeah. and it's just like, Oh, yep. She self terminated with one final act of uh, selflessness. Yeah. Helping, which helping him out and giving him kind of like the, the piece of information that saves his life. Yeah. Uh, because with knowing that Tim initially, thinks that he has to shoot the tiger but then he thinks about who he's dealing with uh that the the covenant man would have known that he would get there and would have known that he would have a gun and would have known that he would uh probably try to shoot the tiger so that he could get into the building and survive and continue on his journey to help his mother and knowing that the covenant man would know that (laughs) he doesn't do it he he decide and, he decides not to not to play into his hands not yeah. to follow the predicted path which so he, you know before had yeah. led him to ruin and now he doesn't want to do that anymore yeah so he he basically um unlocks the cage and then tells like 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 logics with a tiger which <laughs> if you are ever face to face with a tiger uh my understanding is that is not a reliable um a reliably successful course of action. I've seen a lot of gifs of people like going up and like petting tigers and scra- scratching under their chins and then purring and stuff. Yeah, but how many gifs have you seen of tigers responding to logic? Uh, few, few. Yeah, scratches yeah. aren't logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I always say, <laughs> scratches aren't logic. Yeah, I've, I've got that. It's a needle point sampler above my bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, no. so he, you know, he 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 pulls it off and says, you know, you know talks to the, you know, talks to the tiger. Basically, tries to do the same thing he did with the dragon, right? Saying, yeah. "Hey, um, you know, I, I need I, just, I need I need those keys. If you eat me, we both die." Um, and and this dragon, live, which had been described, live. this dragon, which had been described as, uh, I think, troublesome and hungry, uh, is actually super chill. Oh, the tiger. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, um, this is a very this is an especially chill uh, and uncharacteristically logical tiger <laughs> because he presents his neck you know so he, so the collar can be taken off the collar's been on there for so long that like the the fur beneath it has been worn away he just has yeah. a band of a band of pink below it yeah um so so he gets the the collar off and they run over to the building but um as as mentioned earlier the dogen is offline and so the key card won't work the door won't let them in and he realized that that was the Covenant Man's practical joke on him. The, the, uh, the final ho- trick. Hilarious. Very, very, very funny. Bravo. We're, we're, we're going to send that one into Prank Magazine. Yeah. it's uh, it, it sucks because yeah. Tim Tim did the right thing. You know, you would think that he... Uh, you know, had uh, had outsmarted him, but no. You know, this is the Covenant Man. He's working, you know, kind of on a different level. He's even he he even had the fail safe. There, you know, the the door was never going to open. Yeah. Um, but there's the key which opens a box that has um a, a glass bottle and one feather and a cloth napkin, yeah. which you know. <laughs> Very, very helpful stuff. It's basically clearly. like that Ben Affleck movie, The Paycheck. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> based off of a pretty good, based off of a pretty good Philip K. Dick short uh, short story. Actually, it is that is. <laughs> I I don't know if I've heard anybody talk deeper... about that movie ever. Well, there's I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about Paycheck starring Ben Affleck ever. <laughs> uh, but also that is that is maybe the deepest cut. Um, Affleck without Damon reference that I've heard um, in a very long time. Yeah, it was it was it was back kind of in his salad days. It was right around the time he was tapped to play Jack Ryan in the Sum of All Fears. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is I, your resident Afflecologist, but it turns out he's a piece of shit. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For the purpose of that joke, I didn't. I didn't. For for the purpose of that joke, it's 2015. Um. <laughs> Yeah. yeah Geely, right? Yep. <laughs> so that's that's still a joke. Yeah. Um uh, I mean the movie so, still exists, so it's still a joke. But yes, he's yeah. got he's got this kind of assemblage of seemingly useless, unconnected random objects. Yeah, but um in 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 a, a twist that should not be surprising at this point, uh shit's magic. Mm-hmm. And the tiger picks up the the teeny tiny cloth. And it unfolds over and over and over again into something that is eventually the size of like a ship's sail. Yeah, they they basically make themselves a makeshift magic yurt in which yeah. to spend the night. Yeah, and, and it is also completely storm proof. Yes, you know, anything anything beneath this magic uh, this magic cloth, which I think is called not the dibek. That's like a weird. A ghost like baby ghost thing there's the, there's a specific name for, for for this anything beneath this cloth um is untouched by the winds right yeah dibbon dibbon there we go yeah um so he and this tiger uh just kind of snuggle up <laughs> under this big old blanket thing they do it seems so cozy like they it like does the... it really kind of makes me want a tiger i know i said earlier i was a little bit uh critical of of this book's presentation of tigers but i'm rethinking my stance because it it does seem 
like snuggling up next to the tiger under a great big blanket while there's a big storm going on outside would be very nice. Yeah, see, the thing is, he's got to purr. If he doesn't purr, there's no there's no deal. Oh yeah, well, if he doesn't, if, if if the tiger doesn't purr, uh, it's it's like that song. If 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 that tiger doesn't purr, Mama's gonna make that tiger purr. Yep. <laughs> A, <laughs> I've got that again. That's another needlepoint sampler. It's right below scratches and scratches aren't logic. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot of needlepoint samplers. Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have hobbies. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I only have one. It's the name of it's it's a it, it is a needlepoint version of a, of a, a, a an episode title for the level. I do. I actually have one. It's forget it, Jake. It's just a turtle. Dennis got it for me for Christmas one day. <laughs> Um, I um, I was, I, I was really hoping that you it was you you were gonna say it was an episode title for and then like, like like some weird TV show, the Starsky and Hutch, yeah, or like Huggy Bear Rides Again. <laughs> I don't know that that's an actual thing. I made a Starsky and Hutch reference at work the other day, and like I got nothing but blank stares. Well, I mean. We've we've already th- this has been long established that you are uh, unstuck in time, re television programming. True, I thought that the, the that the remake with uh, what's their names Ben Stiller and uh, Owen Wilson would have would have given that one some extension. I thought that would have been a signal repeater. Yeah, it it really never caught on, which is a shame because it's actually very funny. Uh, and also, Harmar Superstar has a dance scene in it, which is mm-hmm. terrific. I've but, ne- I've, ne- uh, I've never seen it. I just it's, I know it it's, exists. It is it is it is genuinely worth watching if you need a very stupid movie to laugh at, yeah. uh, and or uh, just haven't seen Harmar Superstar do a thing for a bit. <laughs> I will take that under, under advisement. But yeah, they've got this super cozy night. Um, yeah, and like it when, sounds great. When, when when Tim thinks back to this, you know, he says, you know, he wasn't scared, even though it should have been a terrifying situation. You know, he basically recalls it as probably the safest he's ever felt uh, and this is mm-hmm. where the name of the story and the name of the book come from you know is tim kind of musing on the nature of this experience right i'll just read the quote and we can interpret it or let it be depending on what we want to do uh saying time is a keyhole he thought as he looked up at the stars yes i think so we sometimes bend and peer through it and the wind we feel in our cheeks when we do the wind that blows through the keyhole is the breath of all the living universe. Yeah. Which sounds very profound until I remember the shit that I would kind of muse upon when I was 11. (laughs) And then you think about it and it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. I don't know that I could that, that I could take this and extrapolate onto it like a greater a greater significance even within the w- within the course of the story. Yeah, like I don't. You you kind of mentioned this earlier, but the the title of the story and the title of the book, like I don't even know what the keyhole's a metaphor for. Right. Like I don't. I don't totally get it. Yeah. It seems like Stephen King had this really this this cool idea for a name uh-huh. and then wrote a book and was like, oh fuck. <laughs> Why is it called this? 
the uh the, now here we go <laughs> the, the, the 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 best that i can think of is it is a bit of a meditation on the idea that our experience and perception are so limited and when we get up to the when we get up to the kind of threshold of you know you know the edge of that and see something as ridiculous as what is tim, you know, as what tim is in right now and you see kind of the danger or the chaos that is beyond the perception you know like that is what you feel is yeah, the disparity and, between everything and kind of like your your limited point of view from inside that from from inside whatever the keyhole is between you and and there's a lot of that sentiment all throughout this series yes uh the the keyhole metaphor is not particularly germane to anything <laughs> i will give you that I'll give you that. I'm, def- I'm definitely stretching. That's just the best yeah. that I can make of it. Yeah. No. No. I. I. I you. You are not wrong. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And then also he falls asleep, has a dream about the tower, and decides oh, I'm gonna go there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. If all of Hope this is true, then you. the tower has to be true as well. Yeah, and you know everyone else who sets out to go there, it works out extremely well. <laughs> for, for at least one of them. There's. N- <laughs> You don't hear about any hardship. No. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they wake up the next morning. Um, they the share Hopkins. Is, they, yeah, the, the, the tiger uh, reminds him that he still has two sandwiches left. And so they, uh, they, they have a nice sandwich break. Um, and then the, the tiger kind of pantomimes. Is that the right word when you're talking about an animal? Yeah, I would say that. Like, for it? I, I think that he starts like paw, like pawing at the at, at the glass the, the glass bottle of medicine. Yeah, he he indicates that that Tim should give him the the liquid that's in the the bottle. Yeah, um, and, and then um, then we get the second most horrifying thing in this book after yeah, the spider crawling I, out of that person's body. And I just want to call out right now in in the show notes you have uh you you you. You have used the verb to anamorph. Yeah, um, like, if, if you conjugate, if you conjugate that, he anamorphed. She, they yeah. anamorph. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 makes it sound so much cooler and more pleasant than it is in the book. I, I mean, the anamorphs books they describe it in a very horrifying fashion. They definitely talk about feeling their oh, bones yeah. rearrange. Yeah, no, there's like there actually reading those books there is like a significant amount of body horror in that young adult novel series from the 90s yeah but um, i just took a whole bunch of those to the goodwill actually i i oh. still i still had a bunch of mine around man that's the reason yeah. why i had animorphs on the mind no that's that makes sense yeah um but yeah it, it is it, it is absolutely horrifying but, yeah because but... it's like if stephen king wrote an animorphs transformation sequence <laughs> So this goes that's, on that's for literally like, what this is. It goes on for like a page. So what I have written here, you know, like he, he gives it he gives the such excruciating detail. Talks about the tail going away, coming back and going away. Talks about the him rearing back and his 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 rear paws turning into boots. Like it's real. It's it's, it's not a clean process. No, it looks it looks painful. Um, mm-hmm. with the way I have it written here, he anamorphs from tiger into the form of Merlin. You know, it turns out, and this isn't any great surprise given what Daria said, but this tiger is, you know, a polymorphed version of Merlin, you know, the, yeah. the, the great wizard from the time of Eld, right? Yeah. 
And uh, he tells Tim to save what's left in the bottle for his mother's eyes. It'll cure her blindness. Uh, and then uh, Tim asks him, how, basically, how did you get into that predicament? And uh, we find out uh, Merlin got drunk. Yep. Well, he's he's like he's super reluctant to actually share this, right? Because Tim says, "Wait, did the Covenant Man do this to you?" No, no, no. Um, uh, just it was it was definitely somebody more powerful than him for sure. I, yeah. I'm a I'm a real badass, and everybody's yeah. afraid of me. Uh, just turns out I was I was drunk. Yeah. And to the um, the idea that like you know most of the myths of you know. Merlin is very powerful. The myth about him living backward in time isn't true. Um, he doesn't live in a house that is, uh, you know, separated from time. Uh, he lives in a small little hut. He basically lives like like an ascetic, right? Yeah. Um, and and he, he makes a really interesting point um, uh, just about the nature of, like, legend and folklore, which is if if you went home and told all your friends that I don't live backward in time, would they believe you? Or if, if you told your friends that I live like a monk in a in a hut or a cave, would they believe you? Yeah. And Tim thinks about it and is like, you know, no, they probably wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So like all le- be... legends legends are what they are. Um I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be over here. Dan. I'll be over here eating spaceman panini paninis with black Hitler. <laughs> that's a community reference to basically the same yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I haven't watched Community in way too long. <laughs> I just did a rewatch. It's still very good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is kind of where we get to the point where where I I became less convinced that the Covenant Man was the Man in Black, uh, because Merlin's talking about uh, the Crimson King, and Tim asks, "Oh, like was he the one that trapped you here?" And it's like, "Oh no, he he can't trap anyone. He's trapped in." the tower himself he's pent at the top um, of the tower yeah but but he has these emissaries and the covenant man is not his most powerful and i you know clearly from the note like the, the note was left by randall flag mm-hmm. and so ostensibly randall flag is the one who transformed merlin into the tiger so, so the, the I, I can I can under I can understand that. What I where I think that falls down is the idea um, that if it wasn't Randall Flagg that transformed Merlin into the tiger, Randall Flagg probably knew about the situation and decided to use it to create havoc, right? Because you know he goes on to say you're talking about this like Randall Flagg is going to be punished for what he has done because his little trick there was not I'll I'll just I'll just read the read, read the quote here. Little magic and long life is all he's capable of. No Tim, there's one far greater than he of the broad cloak. When the great one points his finger from where he bides, the broad cloak scurries. But sending you was none of the was none of the Red King's bidding. And the one you call the Covenant Man will pay for his foolery, I'm sure. He's too valuable to kill, but to hurt, to punish, I I think so. So I think the Crimson King had Merlin transformed and the Covenant Man, Randall Flagg, Martin Broadcloak, whatever you want to call him, fucked it up by kind of pursuing his own his own little course of action. Yeah. That like that that makes sense. And I that was kind of my my initial read on it also. Mm-hmm. Um 
I, I guess that just the the characterization of the Covenant Man seems different from the way that the Man in Black is is characterized elsewhere in the series, and I I guess that makes a, a degree of sense because he would be much younger at this point than when at any other point in the story. Mm-hmm. So it's but, a it's a different telling too. Yeah, but I guess I just feel like. I, I get that he is an, an, an agent of chaos. That's kind of his character archetype. But the whole the whole tax collector bit doesn't seem like him. Hmm. And so I kind of i i wasn't I, I wasn't really sure, even from the beginning of the book, if the Covenant Man was the same person or if he was just kind of this of of the same ilk. Yeah. There's there's one there's one far greater than he of the broad cloak when the great one points his finger the broad cloak scurries. It, it, I I guess that just kind of depends is is the great one is that the crimson king or is that someone I, in between the king and the man in black? I I I definitely believe it's the crimson king is what is who he's talking about. And and I also I think that it lines up, you know, the idea that Martin Broadcloak. Man, it's really hard to refer to this thing that has many, many names. <laughs> I, 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 I think that it lines up. It lines up for me that he he basically talks a big a big game and is powerful. Like in the scheme of you know the regular people who interact with him, but in comparison to the Crimson King or the other forces that he can bring to bear, you know, or to muster, that he is all talk in relation to them and kind of gets around by scheming and falling on the wrong side of people. Yeah, that that checks out. Yeah. I'm 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 pretty thoroughly convinced that it's the Covenant Man or that uh, that yeah. the Covenant Man is 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 Randall Flag. Yeah, no you I I I think that you have convinced me at this point. Yeah. Um you know, and if 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 there's if there's a compelling case to be made against that, I I will happily I will happily hear that. In addition to what to you know to what you have said, if there's something that I'm not seeing, definitely yeah, no, if you're if, listening, if, write in and let me know. Yeah, yeah. Uh Twitter or if you're on the, the Duckfeed Slack or you know, however Yeah, use the wanna... contact form, any of those. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a contact form on the website. Yeah. Yeah, and, and any of those. I just uh, it 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 in a way it's a little bit too neat if it is the exact same guy. It just that there's so many other things that line up for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, Merlin, Merlin gives Tim a little bit of foreshadowing that doesn't really matter, but you know, uh, spoilers, Tim's going to be a gunslinger. Yep. He points to the gun on, on Tim's belt and says, you know, that isn't the only gun that you're going to carry. Um, and you know, nor is it the heaviest, you know, you're going to, you know, probably live in tree for a little, for a little while longer. Uh, but it is your fate to be a gunslinger. Um, and also, you know, Merlin's tired. He wants to get back to his cave and see if it's been ransacked, I think. So see if he yeah. still has any of his booze left. Uh, but he has two very specific instructions for Tim for when he gets home saying, first, administer the droplets to your mom and be sure, be positive that you give your mom your father's axe. And Tim asks why. And all of a sudden Merlin gets very stern and basically says, don't ask questions. <laughs> he has his own directive 19. I don't, I couldn't tell if that was directive 19 or if it was like, 
It's like, all right, I'm fucking done with you, kid. <laughs> Why would you question me? Yeah, just, just fucking do it. I'm, I've been a tiger. Just <laughs> fucking leave me alone. <laughs> do you see that hole I had to shit in? Thanks. It was thanks almost for the sandwich. Full. Yeah. Thanks for the sandwich. I'm gonna go back to my booze cave. Fuck off. <laughs> Take this magic feather and fuck right off. Um, that, that's so yeah. The magic magic feather um, turns the magic cloth into a magic carpet, basically. And he he gives him the feather and says, "Okay, now go fly home." And Tim asks, "How do you do that?" And Roland's response is, "How do you walk? Think just just <laughs> think of home and." That's not how I would describe how I walk. Yeah. Like if I just think of home, then I'm I can do that while I'm walking. Mm -hmm. But thinking of home like I'm doing it right now and I'm definitely still sitting. Hey, so I feel like that. I, yes, I thought of home and I'm actually back up in Mansfield, Ohio now. Whoa. I'm, I'm not sure how the Skype call wasn't wasn't interrupted, but I'm 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 here, man. Yeah. Yeah, kudos to Skype on their uh, technological advances in the past five minutes. Yeah, very <laughs> I, short. I, I, I take back every bad thing I've ever said about your platform. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, said so basically does the whole Wizard of Oz thing down to even the reference, right? Yeah, you know, like just a so some yeah, wise no man long ago. Like yeah, wise person long ago some, said there's no place. Someone, like home. someone famous for something or other. <laughs> And so this begins his magic carpet ride, you know, back over the forest. Yeah, much shorter yeah. than his initial, you know, than his, his initial trek out. He is saddened to see that the swamp has been completely frozen over. And he describes it as like a like a yellowed cataract. Yeah. Um and, and he's he's obviously like terrified that the same thing happened to his home. But it, it it, it kind of seems like it stopped just shy of where the town starts. Yeah, like the, the the slash pulled up as it neared as it neared tree. Yeah, so like they they definitely got some some damage from the storm, but they're fine. Yeah, and um, so he arrives. Yeah, so yeah, and he goes to the widow's house, which is where his mom uh, has been staying. Is that right? I, 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 I forget house. exactly who's, who, who, whose house it is, but he initially thinks yeah. like, oh, my gosh, they've left my mom alone. You know, this isn't how, you know, this isn't how you neighbor, you know, like, yeah. like, that's, that's not what you do. But yeah. he is relieved and, you know, like a little bit even like heartbroken that the widow smack even stayed by her side through that. Right. Yeah. You know? So he um, give like puts the drops in her eyes and her sight comes back and that's great. And then he remembers the the merlin thing and and my axe mm -hmm. um and so doesn't know why just gives it to her gives it to and her. then goes the, to the, make the, breakfast the scene of her like initially like being angry like berating him oh, yeah. for leaving how could you do this i can't believe you you know i can't believe you've done this um but then the contrast between that and her just being unable to stop from hugging and kissing him you know, yeah. just the relief that she has, you know, the first thing that she sees when she gets her sight back is his face. It's super sweet. It really is. Yeah. Um, but yes, and he, there's, he says, hey, yeah, I'm going to go make us some breakfast. Yeah. Um, and so he, he goes to, to wake up the widow and she cut it. Yeah. yeah. She's she 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 is she is super duper dead. 
Yes. Um, and he goes to wake her up and sees that, oh, there's blood on the front of her, on you know, the front of her chest. She Her, her throat's been slit from ear to ear. Yeah. And then um, Burn Kells, his, uh, his, his monster of a stepfather. Yeah, his wicked stepdad. Uh, basically, like, choke slams him against the wall. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, releases him, and uh, his his head had sprouted an axe handle. <laughs> I love the way that King wrote that. Just yeah. <laughs> because that is why uh, Merlin had told Tim to give his mom the axe, knowing yeah. knowing that this exact situation would pan out. Nell yeah. had gone, gone up behind and, you know, plunged the axe into the right side of his head. Uh, getting yeah. getting her final one liner in, you know, again referring mm-hmm. to like back in that back in the first part of this, saying like, oh, you know, once you've slipped the rope, you'd slip for life or whatever. And as she kills him, she said, you know, she screams at him, "I cut the rope so, cherry man." It's like, yes, yeah. <laughs> good on you, Nell. Yeah, he 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 turns around and then she says that, and then he eats it, and it's very satisfying. Yeah. Um, and then um. That's pretty much you know, it. That's basically yeah. They Tim and his mom, uh, they're they're okay. They arrange for the the funeral service for the widow, and the whole town comes out to uh, to pay their respects. And Tim lives in tree for a while, and then some gunslingers come through and uh, looking for people to help, and he's the only one that'll go along. And then uh, you know, that's how he enters the life. Yeah. Yeah. And that is it. That is the win through the keyhole as, you know, Tim, Tim Ross becomes Tim Stoutheart. And, yeah. you know, and that's, he, well, that, that's the win through the keyhole. That's the story, the win through the keyhole from the book, the win through the keyhole. We're yes. going to be finishing the book, the win through the keyhole next time. This is the, this is the title track off of the album that is named after the band. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This uh, is. This Good. is the song Pennywise from the album Pennywise by the band Pennywise, named after the clown Pennywise by Stephen King. I was thinking, <laughs> see that, that that is that that is much more relevant. I was going for more of a Wilco thing. Yeah, I um, I I was, I that that was where my my head went initially, and then uh, no, it's a, it, was, know, it was it was a good turn you took there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I went through like a, a skate punk phase when I was thirteen. <laughs> I de- I I definitely played that skateboarding arcade game that had the song by Pennywise as the first oh, track. T- Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2? No, no. It was an arcade game where you rode. It was like one of those big installation ones where there, you, oh, you have the, I know what you're talking about. the skateboard um, that, you, that you stood on. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Now, I, I played a lot of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, and that was how I got exposed to like Pennywise and Bad Religion and Bouncing Souls and oh, a whole bunch of uh, really, really fun punk music from <laughs> uh, like the late mid to late 90s, early 2000s. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. Even though I know I know nothing about skateboarding and can't do it myself. Nope. I know I, I know about Tony Hawk's pro skater version of skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And that's fine for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's the end of the of the fairy tale. And that's the end of this this episode about this section of the book. The next episode, we're going to finish out the entire uh, book. We're going to do the very end. It's going to be a shorter episode because that's a shorter section of the book. Um, again, this is very a very strange book to pace out. So, shrugs. 
um, anyway. Uh, it'll probably be a lot of kind of reflection on the book itself um, and about kind of its place as a new Dark Tower book uh, written after everything else but inserted in the, in the middle. Kind yeah, and if we come up short on time, then we can, you know, just talk about the Dark Tower movie a little bit more. Oh, God, I'm so done with it. <laughs> just current, more more current Dark Tower media. Yeah. If I had my shit, if I had my shit together, I would, uh, I would get the Blu-ray and like watch the special features. There, there were people. Um, I think it was like Sam and the and the Slack or somebody in the chat actually got got the Blu-ray and their their summary of the special features was, guys, they tried real hard. <laughs> yeah, which I I got that feeling even from watching the movie. I, yeah. I was, I think, maybe the only person defending the movie when we talked about it yeah um and and it was mainly because i got like they they tried so hard and it could have been very cool and it uh hey evan where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on twitter i'm at mr underscore harder uh i'm also uh at mr underscore harder on instagram but i basically never use instagram Mm -hmm. so you know whatever do what you will um and uh yeah i'm i'm not doing a whole lot else on the internet right now pretty much just there that's fine yeah um and you can find me all the usual places um what i want to direct you to which i do most times actually is my streams um if you go to twitch.tv slash duckbtv you can watch uh, my playthroughs of horror games on the weekends. I've also started doing um, role-playing games uh, during the week. Yeah, you, uh, I, I, I really, you know that I, I really enjoy the uh, the Hexcrank uh, horror horror streams. Um, and I, I, I really need to say that I, I was disappointed in your branding for the the role-playing games, <laughs> um, be, because you, you, you went with. Cole plays games. Cole, Cole playing games. Cole, Cole playing games, and you know you you abbreviated it as KPG. Mm-hmm. But if if you had if you just use your full name, it could have been KRPG. I've, have we had this conversation before? No, I said it on Slack. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, All and, right. And I'm still every single time it comes up, I'm just like oh, missed opportunities. <laughs> I don't know. It's um. I I think that it. It is literally just an aesthetic, an aesthetic distinction. <laughs> no, it's, it's, those are, those are very fun also. Like I've, I've, I, I think described your, uh, your YouTube, uh, streams and, and stuff as like, you know, video game YouTube for grownups, mm-hmm. which is, uh, in short supply on YouTube. I appreciate, um, I appreciate video. It video game content for grownups is, is hard to come by. So, um, definitely if, if you are a grownup who likes video games enough to watch someone else play them on the internet, um, check that out. Yeah. And those, um, those are archived at youtube.com slash duckfeedtv as well. And I'm also on yeah. the other shows on duckfeed.tv. Yeah. Like um, almost all of them. <laughs> most of them, except for, uh, everything to guppy, uh, the new show uh, about the, yeah. bind- the binding of Isaac, uh, yeah. and also teenage dirt bags, which is coming back. Which is yes. back. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, the other other thing I would like to to, to plug real briefly is um, Gary Butterfield just released Atomic, which is the second book in the Worlds of Power series, which uh-huh. is uh, a spoof on the 
god awful power <laughs> worlds weird video game fiction not quite choose your own adventure it's like not novelizations not, not novels yeah it's like it, like novelizations of nintendo games yeah it was it was a whole weird thing and gary has uh he 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 released one uh a year or two ago uh called souls of darkness which shocker is about dark souls or kind of a, a parody of dark souls and it's great uh, and atomic is uh kind of uh riffing on the fallout universe and it's it's very very fun and uh definitely check that out yeah and uh i am actually going to be um doing the audiobook version of that which means i need to get to work on that he told me there was no hurry but i want to have it done so so yeah, yeah. If, that, if that sounds interesting to you uh then do the needful and do the searches for that i don't know that he has a no just go to powerworlds.com there we yeah. go um yeah Cool. I started making noises with my voice that sound like I had something to say, and I realized uh, after I started that that I really don't. <laughs> well, we can draw it to a close. Thank you so much, everybody, for um, tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with the uh, with the remainder of this book. You can check out the schedule um, on the website, see what's coming up. Uh, but until then, long days and pleasant nights. Yeah.